0: You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 164. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting John Gaspar, who is the author of the Eli Marks mystery series, as well as four other standalone novels, and the Como Lake Players Mystery Series, which he writes under the name of Bobby Raymond. John lives in uh, my former homestead of Minnesota, so it's a lot of fun to talking to him about that and a whole lot more, so stay tuned for that interview uh, coming up here in just a moment. Before we get to the interview, though, a quick word about Masterclass. Masterclass is offering online classes created for students of all skill levels with instructors that are the best in the world. I'm particularly a fan of the 18 courses on writing, which includes how to write best-selling thrillers, crime fiction, and mysteries from James Patterson, Dan Brown, David Baldacci, and Walter Mosley. But they also have courses from other writers, legendary writers like David Mamet, Malcolm Goldwell, Margaret Atwood, R.L. Stein. Neil Gaiman, Salman Rushdie, Shonda Rhimes, and others. Uh, it's just an amazing lineup. Uh, you can check that out at thrillingweeds.com forward slash onwriting to check out the uh, Masterclass courses uh, specific on writing, but you can see all the other ones uh, that they're offering there as well. And if you sign up via that link, you'll not only get access to all those amazing instructors and their courses, bet you'll also be supporting this podcast so i appreciate that so go check that out at com forward slash on writing all right here is my interview with uh, john gaspar uh, welcome to the podcast john thanks alan it's really fun to be here can you tell us a little bit about your background uh before you started f- publishing these books before you started writing what, what, what was your background
1: sure uh i was making uh as a hobby i was making low budget independent feature films since about the age of 15 i've made about half dozen of them in all kinds of formats from the old Super 8 sound through 16 millimeter through uh, digital beta and now the the new uh, digital format. Uh, but during the day, I made my living for 30 years as a creative director at a production company in Minneapolis that produced uh, videos and meetings and events for Fortune 500 companies.
0: Oh, okay. So you've always been lucky in the creative field.
1: Yes, I've been lucky enough to always have something creative to do.
0: I was checking out your website. You have several uh, series going on and different pen names. How long have you been writing and, and publishing your books?
1: Um, I think Eli is about 10 years old now, maybe. Um, the first book I did was called the Ripperologists, which is a standalone. And I spent a couple of years trying to get an agent for that. And then she spent a couple of years trying to sell it. And while she was doing that, uh, I was working on Eli Marks. I wanted to do a series. The agent couldn't sell the book. Uh, I did sell it to two different publishing companies, both of whom went under. And that's when I decided that at least for the Ripperologists, I was going to self-publish. But I did find a publisher almost immediately for the Eli Marks series, for the first book, uh, The Ambitious Card, and stayed with them for four books and, uh, and kind of a casual non-contract relationship where I brought in a book whenever I was done. Uh, so I didn't have to work on deadline or anything. And then uh, the last three books I've published uh, on my own. I got all the rights back. And so I, hope I own the entire series now.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Can you tell us a little, a little bit about that? So there's a lot of magic. He's a magician, right? Eli Marcus is a magician investigating uh, mysteries.
1: Yes, he's a magician here in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis-St. Paul. He's in his 30s. He uh, has been raised by his Uncle Harry because his parents died when he was a young teen. His Uncle Harry is a master magician who uh, has performed uh, all over the world uh, and is is v- uh, very good in all forms of magic, meaning close-up magic, stage magic, large illusions, kid shows Harry has done it all, uh, and he's in his 80s, and he and Eli run a magic shop at Minneapolis, Eli is not nowhere near the magician that his uncle is, um, but he does have that way of thinking that a lot of magicians do which is um, Looking at things a little bit differently, trying to figure out how things are done. And he does, as happens in all these books, uh, keep stumbling into murders, either something that happens nearby him, something he witnesses or someone he knows gets in a bit of trouble. And Eli uses uh, his skills, not necessarily magic, but just that, that way of thinking to figure out who the killer is and save the day.
0: And so now, what was the interest in uh, in making him a magician? Were you a magician yourself? Or?
1: I do not. Um, when I was thinking about writing the series, I wanted to do something that involved an ongoing profession. I'm a big fan of Lawrence Block's writing, particularly his Bernie the Burglar series. So I wanted a profession that was sort of open-ended and allowed you to go to a lot of different places. And I, as it turned out, I had a, a, a large number of people in my life who were magicians just by chance. Part of it was because uh, working in production for meetings and events, I had hired magicians over the years and they became friends, but also just, uh, I seemed to know more magicians than most people. And they had a really interesting way of looking at the world. And also their tricks were, they all had great names for the tricks, which I thought would work out as really good titles, like the ambitious card or the bullet catch or the miser's dream, the zombie ball. Those all sounded like great mystery titles. Uh, and so I decided I'd make Eli a magician who was good, but not great. Because I always like to have a flawed hero.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So those, the title of your books are actually like magic tricks that the magicians yep. use? Oh, Every wow. one of them is. Uh, now, they're not necessarily
1: a name. For example, the first book is called The Ambitious Card. Uh, and some magicians might refer to it that way uh, when they're performing it. Or they might have a, a different name for it. Or they might not give it a name at all. You know, here's a trick I'm going to do for you. Pick a card. Hey, look, your card keeps coming to the top. They wouldn't necessarily call it the ambitious card, but within the magic circles, that's how they would know it. And so, when someone I'm learning the ambitious card, another magician would know what he's talking about.
0: And so, for uh, for the subscribers, the listeners, the listeners who aren't familiar with your books, what the, what can they expect when they read one of your uh, mysteries?
1: Well, the Eli Mark series is a, considered a cozy, uh, which means all the violence happens off screen. There's no sex. Uh, there's no uh, language of any issue. Um, they are light, funny mysteries. What they'll find with that and also with my second series, the Como Lake Player Series, is they're what I like to call fair mysteries. Uh, you are given all the clues uh, and you it, you could maybe figure it out. I'm not that good as a reader figuring that stuff out, but as a writer, I'm pretty good at giving you all the pieces you need. So when you get to the end, it is both a surprise and it's inevitable. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of mysteries that are either so convoluted, no one can figure it out, or where the key piece of information is kept from the reader uh, and revealed as part of the the denouement. I don't think that's really fair. So, so they'd find in both series, uh, fun, funny sort of quirky characters, uh, oddball mysteries, uh, and uh, a a light touch. These are not thrillers. These are fun mysteries.
0: Yeah, and the other series, you write it under a a pen name, right? I
1: do. The second series is called uh, The Como Lake Player's Mysteries. And I did it just sort of as an experiment. I write it under the name Bobby Raymond, which is uh, kind of gender neutral. Mm -hmm. And I did it because I'd heard from a couple different publishers or agents that in the cozy genre, most of the authors are women and most of the protagonists are female. So I thought, well, I will just try that and see. Uh, there's two books in the series so far. There's a third one on the way. And they're, they're different from Eli in that the Eli Mark series is all told first person from Eli's point of view. You see and hear everything Eli does or thinks uh, because he's, he's a guy. And I felt I could safely write that with the como lake players mysteries the main character is a, a actress who moved from new york back to the twin seas to take over community theater as the executive director uh and that's done as a third person just because i really don't feel particularly confident uh sitting inside a uh, woman's head and telling things strictly from her point
0: of view and so you're working on, so you're actually working on both of those two series right now
1: well work is a strong word alan um <laughs> Uh, my philosophy has always been, this is, um, I don't want to uh, lose money on it. It's the same philosophy I had with all the low budget films I made. They never really made uh, much money, but they didn't lose me much money. And they were fun to do. The books are more profitable than the movies ever were. You read about writers who are making, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month. That's not the case here, but I, I am selling a nice number of books and it is Everything's paying for everything. I've spent money on. It. If I'm paying for ads, those are getting paid for. The covers are getting paid for. So I'm I'm covering all the costs, and sort of taking it easy. I don't I don't necessarily write every day. Although I think about it every day. I'm usually doing at least some sort of marketing stuff every day. But the books generally take about a year to to put together, and I don't I don't put a gun to my head to do them. Uh, I'm not one of those writers who has to have a book out every year. The, the, the big fans of Eli Marx don't really like that. Uh, they would want them uh, more often, but they, I just don't want the quality to fall. And I just I don't feel like I want to turn it into an assembly line.
0: Yeah, because this is a big change now. I think a lot, like you were saying, a lot of readers are are expecting a lot more books now every year, which is kind of like a little crazy.
1: Oh, Alan, you hear these stories? if You go to conferences. I'm sure you heard them too. of People going, "Well, so I do one book every three months," yes. uh, and it's like, oh, I, I don't think I would like that life. I, I, uh, there's much. Uh, many other things you can do in life besides sitting and writing. And it just doesn't work for me that way. I'm not that kind of a writer. Mysteries are hard to write for me because I don't really have a puzzle mind. So coming up with a strong one uh, takes a while to craft. And so um, the the series, the Eli Mark series is, I think, best enjoyed by someone who just is stumbling onto it now where they go, oh, look, there's there's seven books and two short stories and always got a podcast. And, you know, those are the readers that are excited by the ones who have read all of them you do actually get sort of, I wouldn't say they're grumpy emails, but it's like, hey, John, when is the next one coming? It's like, I don't know. I'm working on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I saw your website. You have the Eli Marks podcast and you interviewed Dick Cavett. So I didn't realize he was a magician. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, something new I'm starting this year to avoid writing is <laughs> uh, the guy who narrates all the audiobooks for the Eli Marks series named Jim Cunningham, who it's partially responsible for getting me into the interest of magic because he has it as well. Um, he uh, and I do a twice month podcast called behind the page, the Eli Marks podcast. The, the primary idea was let's just try to get the audiobooks out to people for free. So if you subscribe to the podcast, every episode you get the next chapter of one of the books. The first season is all of the first book, the ambitious Card. So we over 24 episodes. You can listen to the ambitious card for free via the podcast but to kind of give it a little what we call the dvd extras each episode also has an interview with someone who can help uh bring to life or give more detail to something that happens in that chapter for example there's uh uh, there's a a slight mention of a magician named max who was a very famous magician from the 1920s in one of the chapters and we got a magician named steve cohen who does a magic show in New York, uh, used to be at the Waldorf, it moved to a different hotel, but who's an expert on Max Bellini. So he comes on for 10 or 15 minutes and we chat about that. And then you hear the chapter. In the case of Dick Cavett, um, because Uncle Harry is in his 80s in the book, uh, and he has a lot of cronies who are similar in that they are aging magicians or ventriloquists or other variety performers. Um, I wanted to talk to someone who'd actually... Talk to those people of that age because in the 60s and 70s, there were a lot of those guys around, and they all ended up kind of on the Dick Cabot show one time or another. A guy named Di Vernon, very famous in the magic world, a guy named Slidini. Uh, so we contacted Dick Cabot because I knew that he'd been a magician as a teenager, and as it turns out, he still does magic. Uh, And we did two episodes of him chatting about not only his experiences uh, in magic, for example, one of the first professional magicians he ever saw in Nebraska was a guy named Johnny Carson, who was also a magician when he started out. But then Cavett also talked about all the magicians he's had on his uh, on his talk show over the years, like Penn and Teller, uh, Orson Welles, Ricky Jay, things like that. It was just fascinating. He just he knows a lot about magic.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's a that was a big get too to get the the on your podcast.
1: Well, it, you know it was, and it wasn't. It was in that I had to you know go through a publicist and there's mm-hmm. you know lots and lots of back and forth, but I knew two things. I knew that he was wild about magic. And I knew that he didn't get to talk about it that much because nobody ever asked him about that. They all say, hey, Dick Cavett, what was it like talking to Catherine Hepburn? Mm-hmm. Or hey, Dick Cavett what was it like talking to Groucho Marx when he had all this other knowledge. So I, I was thrilled, but not really surprised that he said yes, because I, I really thought he'd be interested in doing it. And he was.
0: And so I have to ask that with your, the, the, your other series, the Lake Cuomo series, the, uh, is that the Lake Cuomo in St. Paul there, Minnesota? It is. It is. Uh, the uh, Eli Marks takes place in
1: Minneapolis and the Como Lake Players Theater is a, is a pretend theater, pretend community theater, uh, right near the shores of uh, Como Lake or Lake There There's a lot of fighting back and forth as to <laughs> which comes first over in St. Paul. And so it has a, a just as Minneapolis has a different feel to it from St. Paul, the books have a, have a, have a different, different
0: feel as well. Yeah, they got my attention because my wife grew up in the, the Lake Cuomo area there in St. Paul, and my in laws still live there and my sister in law. So that's kind gonna... of. So you, you visited? Oh, yeah. I walk Every time we go visit, we walk. We go walk around. They walk around Lake Cuomo every day. <laughs> yes, that's a perfect walking lake. It's just the right distance. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice and flat compared to out here in San Francisco. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. You don't need to deal with hills.
0: Yeah, that's, that's nice. Uh, so what's the latest book then in, in, in the Eli Marks? Is that the which is can you tell us a little bit about that one? Sure.
1: The uh, most recent one is book number seven called The Magic Square, and it takes place at a magic convention uh, uh, in which Eli has gone with his uncle Harry to uh, sell some books that Harry has written. And uh, one of their friends is uh, accused of murder and it looks pretty bad. And Uncle Harry says, this is Friday. We're leaving on Sunday. You have till Sunday to get him out of jail and figure this out. And so uh, it it's like the other books. It's a fair mystery. It uh, all the clues are there. Uh, I've gotten a lot of responses from magicians because there is a certain percentage of the audience for these books who are magicians. Um, but most, most of their audience are just mystery readers, but the magicians who like mysteries really seem to like these books and they've really enjoyed visiting a magic convention because they've not been able to do that for the last year and a half. And so in the book, the magic convention really comes to life for them.
0: And what's your writing process like? Do you outline your books before you write them or do you just kind of write by the seat of your pants?
1: I I have to outline them because, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not great at putting together puzzles and I need to know. Uh, all the pieces and where they're going to go. Uh, it's gotten a little faster over the years, but not a lot faster. And I've, I've sort of figured out that I need to know, have a, have a pretty good handle on the first two thirds of the book uh, and then the ending. But the last third, I sort of leave kind of loosey-goosey just because things come up, things change. You want to try something different. So I do leave that open. But I always know uh, who the killer is, why the murder happened, and the key clues that are going to um, fall into place for Eli to figure it out. And I should say, Eli doesn't always figure it out. There's several times where he has a pretty solid idea of who the killer is, and he is proven wrong, much to his detriment at the end, when uh, he puts himself in a dangerous position, thinking he that the, the correct killer has been uh, apprehended.
0: Oh, I, li- I like that twist, because, yeah, usually when you read a cozy mystery, they, they they already have it. The protagonist always has it all wrapped up perfectly.
1: <laughs> He's not that smart. He's just not that smart. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a that's a cool uh, character. A, a little difference. Uh, well, you know, there.
1: I I was talking to a couple of magicians in London. Uh, they're called Morgan and West, and they're former teachers who became a, a magic duo. Uh, one taught Latin and one taught uh, mathematics. Oh. And we were talking about they have things that happen in their magic act that go wrong. And one of them, uh, Mr. West, said, "You know, that's what audiences find interesting." He said, "That's why although Sherlock Holmes is a." fascinating character people don't find him all that interesting it's more watson that they latch onto emotionally because he said no one likes someone who gets everything right all the time it's just you don't like that and in a magic show they find it particularly uh dramatic because the people think oh no 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 it's gone wrong it's gone wrong and then they're able to to get out of it but but i think that's true of of mystery novels as well that uh you just don't want someone who, who's uh Solving everything without any sort of blood, sweat, or tears.
0: And were you a fan of, uh, of the genre of, of, of mysteries as a reader before you started to write them?
1: I was. Like I said, I mentioned uh, Lawrence Block mm. was uh, a very big for me. Past guest of yours, Jeffrey Deaver, who writes great mysteries. There's a local, well, she was local. She's moved, Nevada Barr, who writes mysteries. And then, of course, uh, Louise Penny is always. A fun read as well.
0: The Bar was based in Minnesota. I didn't know that. She was. She was an actress in Minnesota,
1: oh. um, and I remember calling her agent once because we wanted to book her for a video, and her agent said, "Ah, she's not available now. She's become a forest ranger."
0: Oh, wow! Awesome.
1: <laughs> Boy, that's weird. You don't see that leap all that often from actress to forest ranger. But from that, she uh, she learned everything she needed to know to write her books.
0: Oh. And so what does a writing day look like for you? I know you say you don't write every day, but when you start, when when you're planning to write, uh, what's your process like? Do you like block out time or?
1: No, not not so much. Um,
0: Generally, it involves taking a long walk, coming up with ideas
1: as I'm walking, sending myself an email with those ideas, uh, coming home and transcribing the nonsense that came into my email because all the words are wrong, but at least I remember what they're supposed to be. And then if I get 1,000, 1,500 words, a day. That's a good day.
0: And what do you use to write do you use like word or some other software?
1: I use word, which I love. Well, I wouldn't say love. Um, it's better than it used to be. Word used to be a terrible program, but they've kind of cleaned it up. Uh, and then I do my, uh, since I'm now self-publishing, uh, everything gets finished off in Vellum.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that. That's a great, for- that's a great formatting software.
1: Oh, it is so nice. It is so easy.
0: Yeah. And so what are you, uh, what are you working on now? What's, uh, what's next for you and Eli Marks?
1: well i'm working on um some short stories that i think will be a i think the eighth book might be a short story collection of eli mark's short mysteries i'm working on the third book in the um Komalik player series uh rehearsed to death and um finishing up the audio book for the magic square the eli marks mystery we we, we were kind of uh stalled in our audio book production because of COVID, and now we're getting the magic square done I have another series called Greyhound Classics, which is the silliest thing in the world. It's classic books rewritten as if uh, a greyhound were now part of the plot. The first one uh, was The Greyhound of the Baskervilles, which is simply The Hound of the Baskervilles retold from the point of view of Sherlock's Greyhound Septimus. Uh, And that's a, a, a surprisingly popular book. And then the second book in that series is called A Christmas Carl. And it's a Christmas carol, but retold from the point of view of Scrooge's dog, uh, Carl. are going to start recording that as well. So it's, we're kind of in a uh, audiobook production right now. And then the podcast, although it only comes out twice a month, uh, takes a surprising amount of time. I'm, uh, you must know, doing your own podcast, uh, these things don't edit themselves and they they don't schedule themselves and uh, they don't post themselves. So it's a little more work than I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They are a time suck. <laughs> mm hmm. And what's the audiobook uh, production process for uh, like for you? Then do you are you really involved with that? Then uh, I am. We're t- you know it was uh, Jim
1: Cunningham, the narrator's idea to do it. Uh, Where uh, he's an actor in town and a voice talent, and he said one day, you know, you can produce audiobooks yourself. Why don't we do that with Eli Marks? And so I set up a little thrown together audio studio. And that's really in quotes. It's just some sound blankets in the basement. And uh, he comes over for a couple hours and he reads the books and I record them and edit them. It's a pretty streamlined process for us. He knows all the characters now and we can get a lot done in a couple hours. And then it's just a matter of editing and, you know, doing all the final sound work on them. It's just, we were hampered by just not being able to make it together for the last year. So we're moving now. Things are moving.
0: With the whole pandemic and everything, how are you? Uh, I'm kind of curious now about the future books. How are you? Are you, are you going to plan to address that? Are you going to alternate universe where COVID didn't exist?
1: Um, yes, it's already sort of an alternate universe anyway, in that it takes place at a magic shop in Minneapolis, but the shop itself doesn't exist. Although everything around it does. It takes place on for those who know Minneapolis, it takes place at 48th in Chicago, right? So it's already in its own alternate universe, and it also is. I wouldn't say exactly timeless. Because he does deal with the internet and he does have an iPhone, but I'm not doing anything else that sets it at a particular time. So I really don't think that I'll deal with the pandemic at all, unless there's, unless there could be a great mystery in it. But otherwise, I'm just going to move on without it. So where can the just find you? What's your website? Uh, the best place to find me is at elimarksmysteries.com. That's E-L-I-M-A-R-K-S, mysteries.com. You can find all the Eli Marks mysteries there, uh, as well as the podcast. Or if you want to go to the kind of the the grandfather website, which holds everything, all the other books, that's albertsbridgebooks.com. That's albertsbridgebooks.com. And you can get everything there. That's where the Como Lake players are. That's where the Greyhound classics are. Eli Marks is there, as well as the filmmaking books that I wrote a few years ago about how to make low budget movies
0: you mentioned the beginning about the eight uh the eight track the eight millimeter i remember that super eight when i was a kid (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah it was uh i did the first super eight sound feature ever produced in the uh in the country maybe even the world uh, around 1975 1976 at the time kodak had this super eight cartridge that had a little magnetic stripe along the side of the film. So it recorded sound as you were shooting, which was brand new at that time and uh, high tech, <laughs> high tech, but a nightmare to edit edit because the, uh, it ran at 24 frames a second, which meant that when you opened your mouth to say a word, the actual sound would come out 24 frames later. So you had to decide, am I cutting on the sound or am I cutting on the picture? Uh, it, it, it was a, very frustrating process and to do a feature that was 90 minutes long was uh quite the undertaking
0: wow yeah that's been must have been a lot of editing
1: oh my goodness yes things have gotten a whole lot easier since then
0: okay all right well thank you so much uh john for being on the podcast and talking about your process and your books and magic it's a lot of fun talking to you thanks alan it's been fun you have a great podcast it's really fun to listen to thank you for listening to meet the thriller author I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, show. If you have done that already, I thank you. Uh, I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more uh, check out thrillingweeds.com for slash links all my links will be uh, on that uh, page so that's it for this episode Uh, see you next time and stay safe out there